You're listening to the message podcast of High Ridge Church Longview, where our vision is to help you know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and ultimately make a difference. We are so glad that you're here, and we pray that this message impacts your life as you apply the spiritual truths from God's Word in practical ways. Let's listen in. Come on, good morning, everybody. I'm so glad you made it here. Welcome, welcome to all of you watching online. We love you. High Ridge family, would you give them a big welcome as they tune in this morning from all across our planet? We want to say a special what's up to those of you watching from Montana, those of you watching from Florida, from Mineral Wells. We've got people in Fort Worth, in Springtown. Uh, We love you. We love you. We love you. We think it's awesome that you're tuning in today. If you like what you're watching, do me a favor. Click the share button and share the message of what God is doing here with your social media. That would mean the world to us. Thank you very much for tuning in. Let's get into God's word, shall we? Psalm 145, if you don't mind. Psalm 145. If you're new to the Bible, open it up to the middle and you're there. If you're not new to the Bible, open up anywhere you want and I'll be by there in a minute. It's going to take us. It's going to take us a little bit. No, we're glad you're here. We're going to continue on with our series called Before the Win. Well, in other words, you see the glory, you don't know the story. We're encouraging people to share the story of what God is doing in your life. You've got a story, I've got a story, and the most important thing is that you understand the difference between just telling a story and sharing your faith, sharing your testimony, sharing the goodness of God. You've got a powerful story to tell. And my job as a pastor is to encourage you, to challenge you, to push you, whatever it takes for you to begin to share the story of what God is doing in your life. Your kids need it. Your coworkers need it. Your world needs the story of God's miraculous power. We've forgotten about a lot of the amazing things that God has done. I want to encourage you, share your story. Now we realize that as leaders, as leaders in this church, um, we can't ask you to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. So leaders go first. Come on, leaders go first. Leaders can do hard things. And if you want your children to do it, you better be modeling for it themselves, right? If I want my church to do it, I'm doing it. But I don't want us to get into this habit that we just go to church every week and hear the pastor tell his story, and he never challenges us to tell ours. So there are people that need the story of what God is doing in your life. Those those moments don't have to look like your Instagram highlight reel. It needs to get real. It needs to get honest. Now, we said this before, that everybody loves honesty until it's your turn. Everybody loves authenticity until it's your turn. Everybody loves hearing about the struggles of somebody else until it's your turn. One of the things I love about our church is that we're an authentic church. We're just going to tell you. We don't have it all put together. We don't have it all figured out. We're not even going to pretend like we do. There's a reason why you're here, because there's no pretense here. But at some point, it's your turn. It's your turn to tell your story. It's your turn to get into a group. It's your turn to get real, to get relevant, to get honest, to get transparent. It's your turn to say, I don't have it all put together. This is what God's doing in my life, and I could use a little prayer. That's the good stuff. That's the good stuff. The Bible says they overcame by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So it's all about what Jesus has done for you and then what he's doing through you. You have a story to tell. I want to encourage you to tell it. So uh, I was thinking back on, uh, on all the different things that I've had to walk through in my life, and I've realized that at some point, uh, everyone is either going to come to this moment or you've come through this moment, that moment where adulthood hits you right in the face, where you recognize that everything you thought about as a kid is not reality, right? You think, okay, I'm going to do it this way, then you get, and you realize, like, ah, there's a reason why everybody does it this way. 
I remember watching, uh, watching my friends uh, pull up in, in front of the school and get out of a car, and I would think, why in the world would their parents drive something that looked like that? Why would you drive one of those kind of cars? Why would you drive something that looked that way or that sounded that way or looked like it's on its last leg until I realized somebody's got to pay for that? Had no concept in my mind that there are cars that people have to drive, then there's cars that everybody wants to drive, amen? Amen. I remember thinking, I will never ever drive a a Toyota Corolla, a Daewoo, a a Daewoo Lalos. I don't know. I'm not going to drive that car. I'm driving a Ferrari, I'm going to drive a Lamborghini. Then I realized my bank account says no. No, you're not. So I stole one. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. That's allegedly, allegedly, no. I wanted a Fiero. But I'm, an, I'm part of those 80s ladies, right? We wanted a Fiero until we realized that the rear bumper is made out of flint. Some of you will get that later. There are things that you want, and then adulthood hits you right in the face. You wake up one morning, you're like, how did I get all this ear hair? I spent five minutes this morning with an ear hair trimmer. I never thought in my life I would have to own an ear hair trimmer. But I've worn out two batteries on that thing. It's the jungle in here. I hear things that I thought, no, I I don't want to hear anymore. It's it's better with ear. I realize now why old people just leave it. They just leave it. Why? Because they don't want to hear you talking. Adulthood hits you hard. You know, life has, has great moments. It has horrible moments. It has the highs and the lows. It has the successes and it has the crisis. We're fine with sharing the successes. We want people to see the good stuff. Oh, but it's the hard stuff that helps people when they're walking through their moments that everybody has. You're not alone. What happens when it's your turn to walk through stuff like depression? What happens when it's your turn to to walk through divorce? What about when it's your turn to walk through that discouragement phase? What about when it's your turn to, to deal with the drama or the drama, as we call it, just the, it's not even drama anymore, it's drama, right? Life has drama. It ain't the same drama that there was in kindergarten when it's like, did I get juicy juice or did I get the Capri Sun? Did the straw cut all the way through the back of the Capri Sun? Like, that's drama, but that ain't real life. What happens when life hits hard? It's important to know that we can go into God's word and God's word does not hide the drama and the depression and the divorce and the doubt and the discouragement. It doesn't hide those things from us. It's one of the great parts that I love about God's word is it doesn't just give us the highlight reel. It gives us the good stuff and it gives us hope that if they did it, I can do it. There are many people in God's word that we don't know a lot about. There's many people that just kind of show up on the scene and we just kind of see them coming at the, at the height of their ministry and then they're just gone. People like Elijah just shows up one day and calls fire down from heaven. But then there's people like David where you know his story and you know the good and the bad. You see the highs and the lows. You know, David had to walk through some junk David knows what it's like to have marriage issues. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to have friendships fail. He knows what it's like to have a crazy boss. David knows what it's like to have marriage problems. David knows what it's like to have problems with his kids, problems with his grandkids. David knows what it's like to fight through sexual issues in his own mind. The Bible doesn't hide that from us. He had stuff. And yet the Bible still says that David was a man after God's own heart. You know, very few people 
Do you see anymore that are people that are on fire for God? Very, very seldom do you see them finish well. Isn't that a shame? You see people that are on fire for God for a little while, but how many finish well? And David's one of those people where you see him in the highs and the lows and the wins and the losses, he finishes well. He finishes well. He lives a won't quit life, not gonna stop life. And in Psalm 145, this is the last attributed psalm to King David. And here's, here's something that's really special and unique about this particular psalm. Not only is it his last one, but it's a psalm that's actually written as poetry to help people learn the Hebrew alphabet. You probably didn't know that. But this is one of those, those songs like Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, which actually helped you learn your ABCs. Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Some of you had no idea it was the same thing. We're gonna learn you today. You're gonna... But as people would meditate upon Psalm 145, they would learn more than just words on a page. They learn a language. They know how to communicate. And it's a powerful poem that David pens at the end of his life, looking back at the wins and the losses and encouraging people to learn more than just a story. And he writes this in Psalm 145. I want you to see this, starting in verse one. The whole chapter is great, but he says this, I will extol you, my God, O King, and I will bless your name forever and ever. Every day, somebody say, every day, I will bless you. Every day, I'll bless you, and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. I will meditate on the glorious splendor of your majesty and your wondrous works. I love that David is at the end of his life and looking at what's most important. And he says in no, in no uncertain terms, it, it's about him, it's not about me. And some of us, if you could just clue in on that, it would be the, the word that you need for today. It, it's more about him than it is about me. And if I can focus on the goodness of the Lord, I'd recognize that he's good no matter what my day may bring. I think David says it this way, I've won and I've lost, but I will never quit following the Lord. I've won, I've had success, and I've lost, I've had disappointment, but I'll never quit following after him. It's the one thing I know to be true. David knows what it's like to face disappointment. The story tells us that David, at the end of his life, had a, had a dream in his heart to build the tabernacle, to build the, the temple of God, to say, this is the, the crowning achievement of everything I've worked for. I'm gonna build a house that we can put the presence of God and that people could come and meet with the Lord. Great idea. And the prophet comes to him and says, no. Can you imagine the disappointment? I'm trying to do the right thing, and God still says no. He says, well, I'm gonna have to, I have to help my son do it then. Because God says, it's, it's not mine. It's not my dream. He understands disappointment and can still praise God through the disappointment. What a powerful lesson for each of us. I've won, I've lost, I've had good days and bad days. I've been the king and I've been the fool. I've been the outcast. But on top of the world, I've had dreams and I've had dreams dashed, but I will not quit following the Lord. Even when he says no. Even when he says wait even when I don't like it, 
even when he challenges me to become something more than what I'm comfortable with becoming. I've won and I've lost, but I won't quit. I wanna give you three keys really quickly. If you're a note taker, you might wanna write this down. Three, three keys to living a won't stop life. Three keys to make sure you're not gonna quit. Three things that you can build your life on that will help you in the good times and the bad times. Sometimes we get tempted to quit when times are good. We forget God. And sometimes we get tempted to quit when times are bad, when we doubt his goodness, when we doubt that he can help us, when we think he's let us down. Some of us are in this place today. Three keys to living a won't stop life. Here's number one, perhaps the most important. Number one is the foundation of daily worship. The foundation of daily worship. We've gotten out of this place uh, in, in, in this, this Christianity thing of, of a very, very key component at the foundation of who we are. It's called discipline. It doesn't line up with the American dream, by the way. American dream says, oh, you, you want it, you can have it. Like, there's a working for it. Now, you're not working for God's salvation, but there's a discipline, there's a response to what he's done for you when you say, Lord, because you've done this for me, my life's gonna change. I'm gonna focus my day around some different things. Daily worship. Here's something about Psalm 145. This was not just something to help people learn their ABCs, not just something that David writes at the end of his life, but this is something that people in the Jewish culture would meditate on three times a day. This particular Psalm, twice in the morning, once in the evening, reminding ourselves that it's real important at the beginning and at the end of our day to declare the goodness of God. No matter what the day throws at me, God is still good. No matter if I win or if I lose, God is still good. Otherwise, those bad days tend to compound and make worse days. They make bad weeks and bad months. They turn into bad decades. You don't have life to just throw away forgetting about the goodness of God. David understands this. He said, it's all about daily worship. Let me say it this way. Daily discipline is the fast forward button out of trials and the best way to avoid them. Somebody say amen. amen. He says, every day I'm gonna bless you, Lord, and I will praise your name forever. Every day I'm gonna do it. Every day, every day, every day. He makes worship just as much a part of his day as eating and sleeping. Worship. Spending time reflecting on the goodness of God. And then he says this about the Lord. He says, Lord, your, your greatness, it's unsearchable. I love that, that word unsearchable. It, it kind of just sticks off the page to me as we're digging into Psalm 145. And that word in the Hebrew language is kaker, which means I'm constantly looking into it and discovering more and more things that I don't know, but I, I have a hunger to know even more. They're saying the more that I praise God, the more that I focus on his goodness, I get hungry for more. And I just keep diving into the depths of him. And as I do that, I realize my stuff doesn't really matter that much. This is better than you're amening me. This is good. Daily worship, daily praise. You know, if, you, if we don't get this at the foundation of our walk with God, the other things that you're praying for, you're not gonna see them because you don't know him. You're not spending time getting to know him. Daily worship. And as we're, as we're getting practical kind of with this, it, he just tells us that put your confidence in God. And the more that, you, that you're praising him, the more you wanna know him, and the more you get confident in his goodness, the more you get confident in his power, the more you get confident in who he is, 
and not who you are. There's lots of people with self-confidence. I think it's a good thing. I like that when somebody's self-confident, but it's a better thing when their confidence is who God is. David says this in Psalm 27, I remain confident of this. I'm gonna see the goodness of God in the land of the living. He goes on to say, wait for the Lord. Be strong, take heart, and wait for the Lord. Oh, we don't like that word wait, do we? Mm-mm, not to me. But I want something, I want it right now. You know, until about 70 years ago, fast food wasn't a thing. But look at us now. Like, I should have waited. <laughs> but we want what we want right now. We want immediate gratification. If I think a thought, I want it. Want to buy something? Amazon. Right? You want a pizza? It better be here in 30 minutes. You're going to give it to me for free. <laughs> I want it right now. I'm hungry now. Coffee now. I want immediate feedback. It's about speed. It's about immediate return on what I want. And that does not apply to your relationship with God. And when we take that filter of our American dream and American version of Christianity and put that onto God, we start creating something that's not God at all. And then we wonder why God doesn't answer or respond the moment that we say we need his help. That's not the way that he works. David says, hey, I've won and I've lost. I've been there and I'm just telling you, wait on him. My confidence is I'm gonna see his goodness in the land of the living. So wait. Wait on him. Here's the second thing I wanna share you. Second key to living a won't stop life. Number two, sharing my story guarantees that the pain... I'm walking through isn't wasted. We waste a lot of pain covering it up saying, oh, no, no, no. We, we did it the right way. We never made a mistake. We never did that. Like, yes, you did. We've got proof. And in 2022, there's probably video. You can't lie. Video don't lie. I thank God I was raised in a time where I could tell you whatever I wanted. There ain't no proof. Everything is allegedly. That's a legend that I... I, I can't confirm or deny whether that happened or not. There is no proof. You can't do that anymore. You're going to share your story whether you like it or not. Somebody was there to see it. Somebody probably recorded it. But he says this, one generation proclaims your goodness to the next. One generation proclaims your goodness to the next. No, you can't really proclaim God's goodness if you had to... Unless you had to walk through a time where you doubted it, where you weren't sure. Like God was still good in spite of this situation. And I've got to tell the next generation about the goodness of God. They don't understand the the same God you serve. They don't understand the wins and the losses because they haven't been there yet. Adulthood had to hit them in the face. But when it does, if you've shared your story, they can recognize it and make good decisions. I say it this way, uh, we make fans through our wins, but we become family through sharing our losses. We want you to share, even if it's messy. You have your stuff, I've got mine. If you never share it, people think they're the ones that screwed up and nobody else can understand. And we see this a lot. No one else is walking through what I'm walking through. That's not true. Just the rest of us are too proud to tell our story. And act like we don't have life put together. We share our story. 
I've found that it, it's important for our children, for our grandchildren. Somebody told me this and I like it. It says, we learn from history that we don't learn from history. We don't learn at all. Here's the third key that's important on building a won't stop life in the good times and the bad times. Number three, honesty in prayer brings clarity in life. Now, lots of people will say, I prayed until you ask them, okay, what does that prayer look like? And they'll say, I closed my eyes and, and I was like, Okay, I pray. Let's take that to the next level. Uh, prayer is not a moment of silence. That's not prayer. <laughs> but we'll do that. Let's have a moment of silence. I prayed today. Where do we get that? That's, from, that's baseball. That's not prayer. Let's have a moment of silence. There's nothing wrong with that, but that ain't prayer. It ain't the same thing. Honest prayer is something that is missing from our daily discipline. Honest prayer. Honest prayer. I love what David says in Psalm 27 as he's talking about honest prayer. Actually, in verse 18, he says this, the Lord is near to all who call upon him, all who call upon him in truth. Now, make sure that you read the whole scripture in context. The Lord is near to all who call upon him. I love that scripture. But then it adds to all who call upon him in truth. Is God near to you? Yeah. Is he listening to your prayers? Sure. But honesty, man, that's something powerful that's missing from a lot of our prayers. Honest prayer brings clarity in life. And I, I've, I found this to be true that, man, life will, it'll, it'll give you ups and downs. It'll give you crisis. And it'll give you some success. And both of those things will lie to you and tell you the truth. And if you don't have a great relationship with God, you won't know which one is real. I found this to be true, that when you walk through a hard season of your life, it'll tell you the truth. But it'll also lie to you. And they both sound exactly the same. When you walk through good moments where you're winning, it'll tell you the truth about yourself. And it'll also lie to you. You'll tell yourself lies like, I got me here. I did this. When you're walking through those terrible moments in your life, you might have the same thoughts. I got me here. I did this. Is it the truth? Maybe. Is this sanctification or is this my stupidity? God, are you working out something in my life or that I walk myself right into a big old bear trap because I'm dumb? And crisis and success will lie to me and they'll tell me the truth and I don't know which one is which. But honest prayer brings clarity in life. Please hear me. This is important. Whether you're winning or losing, are your prayers honest? I love that David prays honest prayers. I love that he gets real and raw with the Psalms. I love that when he prays, it's like awkward. We don't, we don't say a lot of the things that David prays in church. We don't, we don't preach out of that because he gets about three beers too intimate. Like, <laughs> like can you say that? I don't think so. He needs, to, he needs to, when he starts talking about, Lord, just break off the teeth of the wicked. Like, that's weird. <laughs> Lord, smash, kill their children. Like, David, <laughs> bro, you're a man after God's heart. But he's honest. Like, this is how I feel. But then he comes back with things like, look, I, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging bread. 
I know that if I just keep my heart right before the Lord, he's not gonna forsake me. He's not gonna kill my kids. Like, let me get back to focusing on the right things. The Bible doesn't hide David's wins and losses and his honesty from us, and I'm grateful for it. Honest prayer brings clarity in life. If the Lord is near to those who call upon him in truth, and I'll say this, I wanna make sure that you you hear it because it's something the Lord's been working out in me this own year. Um, Pray it to the degree that you feel it. Pray it to the degree that you feel it. And if it makes you cry, then pray that way. And if it makes you angry, pray that way. If it makes you happy, pray that way. If it brings joy to your heart when you're walking through it, pray that way. Pray it to the degree that you feel it. But you can't lie to God about what you're feeling. He made your soul. He made your spirit. He gets it. Be honest with him about where you are. If you can be honest with the Lord about what you're feeling, about what you're walking through and start getting some clarity, then it's easier to be honest when you're sharing your story with somebody else. Your life will give you wins. It'll give you losses. But your walk with the Lord, if that's steady, it'll carry you through the ups and downs, the good days and the bad days, the divorce and the drama, the doubt, the discouragement, the disease, the depression, and the raises and the successes and the promotions, and the accolades, all of those things. If we don't have a good foundation, have a tendency to pull us off track and make us question. So take the next few moments, if you would. I want to share with you a video from some of my friends that are willing to share their story with you. Take a moment, check out Doug and Laura's story. My name is Laura. This is my husband, Doug. We have been married for almost five years. We have a blended family. We have five kids, ages seven through 15. I am a nurse here at Christus in Longview and Doug is a pastor here at High Ridge. I grew up in Erie, Pennsylvania. We, we went to church weekly, but I did not grow up uh, having a relationship with Jesus. I, I knew that we went to church, we sort of checked the block weekly, but I didn't grow up having a personal relationship with him. Uh, Growing up, my family, uh, we were poor. Uh, I remember watching my parents struggle. Uh, There was a time that I watched my dad do dishes to put food on the table for us. And he always provided for us. He always wanted to make sure we were taken care of, but I watched that struggle growing up. And so I thought to myself, if I'd work hard, if I'd get an education, if I did the things that I, I thought I could do, then I would achieve my goal, which was sort of the American dream. I thought the nice house, the cars, um, having a wife and kids and just working a job that was what I saw in my mind successful, then I would be fulfilled. And I grew up in Longview. I'm the oldest of a large family. There's eight kids. Um, we grew up in church as well. Um, and I actually did have a relationship with Jesus from a young age. I love Jesus. I wanted to serve in church and do that for my whole life. And I also really wanted to be a wife and a mom. I saw great examples of that around me um, in the church that I grew up in. And I thought that if I could get married and have babies and be involved in church, that I would be fulfilled. So I did get married in my early 20s. I, um, we had four beautiful children and we started our marriage by going to church together and that was a priority but after a little while it kind of um, stopped happening and ultimately our marriage started to fall apart and that was really hard for me because i you know had wanted to be married and to be a mom my whole life that was kind of the ultimate dream for me 
And when that started to fall apart, uh, my relationship with the Lord really did start to suffer. Um, I felt like a failure, like I, I couldn't keep it together. Um, I was not the best mom because I was emotionally very like unsteady. And um, and I, I was just really, it was just really hard. I started to get focused on my goals being the priority. I thought if I could get through college um, and I could get the right education and the right career, then I'd be successful. I would achieve the nice house. Uh, I would achieve comfort. And so what I started to do was I worked really hard. Uh, I worked three jobs. Uh, I picked my major based off what the income level was. And I started to chase after goals that I set for myself. And what happened was um, I achieved it. I got married. Uh, we bought a house on the golf course. We had a pool. I had a great corner office. Uh, I had a Porsche in the driveway. I had motorcycles. I had everything I thought that I wanted in life. And I remember reflecting and thinking, if I achieved all this by the time I was 30, what's next? And so it just made me start questioning what I was even believing and start struggling with my own uh, thoughts, my patterns, and uh, led me to choices that I end up regretting. I remember reflecting and thinking, if on the surface everything looks so good, why do I feel so hollow? I had a hard time asking for help. Um, my, my ego, my pride, maybe being a male, made it really hard for me to express that I, I was starting to struggle. Um, anxiety started to kick in. It led to depression. Um, and there was even a point that I became suicidal. Um, I remember asking myself, why do I want to continue this if there's no more fulfillment? I've reached it already. And I started to spiral. Um, it led to me having a back injury and I got put on pain medication for it. And then I became an addict. And then uh, to cover and mask that pain, not only did I become an addict with prescription pain pills, I started to wash it down with a case of beer a day. Um, so I was just numbing myself. I didn't want to feel anything anymore. I just wanted to be isolated and alone. And um, the final straw that really affected me was finding out that my marriage was done, that it was broken, that it was over. Um, there was no way that we could have redemption in it. And so I remember thinking to myself, okay, God, I've tried it my way. I don't have anything left, I'm broken. So as my marriage began to crumble, I questioned everything. It led me to a really dark place, um, emotionally and mentally. I experienced really deep depression. I started having panic attacks and anxiety that I had never experienced before. And um, I learned about uh, a betrayal to me that really cut me to the core and caused me to really doubt myself and doubt God's love for me. I asked questions like, if you love me, why are you allowing this to happen? What good is gonna come from this? Um, are you gonna fix this? And I, I did everything I needed to, knew to do um, to work at the marriage and to, to try and reconcile things and allow it to be restored. And um, it didn't get restored. It actually fell apart. And I got really bitter and I got very angry. And that's when I started to realize that I had actually made an idol of my marriage and I did not have Jesus in the center of my life. The lesson that I learned in that was um, that His love was actually unconditional, that it didn't go anywhere just because I had walked away a little bit. Um, and then it changed my heart um, about loving other people because I realized that I couldn't say that I loved God and not love people um, unconditionally. 
And that was where I experienced kind of a restoration of my walk with the Lord. And even though my marriage failed and wasn't resurrected, even though it died, I actually started to find healing through that process. So I still ended up getting a divorce and it was really the hardest thing I've ever walked through. Um, I never wanted that. I never saw myself getting a divorce. And to be honest, I had made an idol out of marriage, absolutely. Um, I believe that marriage was the pinnacle of Christianity and that was just not a right view in my mind. Um, so I had, to, I had to get my priorities straight. I had to repent and ask forgiveness for making a marriage more important than my relationship with Jesus. And that reprioritization actually is what got me through the hardest part of my life, which was walking through divorce and having small children and figuring out what God wanted for me if I wasn't gonna be a wife. Um, and so I sought out wisdom from people who had walked through divorce. We don't talk a lot about it in church, unfortunately. It still happens, but we don't talk about it. So I found people who I trusted that had gone through the same kind of story I had been through. And that was super helpful. And then I found um, a small group that was doing freedom. Um, and that was really helpful to me too, to get past a lot of my hurts and unforgiveness and things like that. And so even going through the hardest thing the most hurtful thing I'd ever been through. I experienced healing. I saw the Lord completely change my heart in the middle of my mess. Um, my mess didn't necessarily get all fixed up and pretty, but He changed my heart. And, um, and then I started to dream again about what He had called me to and what He could do through me and how He could use me. And I'm just so grateful. As my marriage started to fall apart, uh, what I found is I couldn't hide it anymore. Uh, I couldn't mask things with money, the car, the house. I had to actually be vulnerable. I had to tell people that it was worse than what it was. Uh, for the longest time, I thought that I could handle it. I thought that I knew better, um, I could fix it. Um, I was in control. And at that point, I had people in my life that actually encouraged me, that would uh, give me scripture, give me some advice, give me wisdom that actually helped me. And so it was very encouraging that the Lord put people in my life and I could hear His voice and certain scripture would just stand out of what steps to take next. And instead of doing it my way, which I did for so long, I started to take steps His way. I started to put His will first. I started to put His priorities first. And the Lord started chipping away some of those rough edges, started um, taking away my, my love of comfort, my love of money, uh, my pride, my ego. And uh, He did it in a loving way. And so through that process, I started to rely on Him. Things are really good now. Um, I would say for both of us, we're healthier than we've ever been. Um, and it comes from, honestly, my relationship with the Lord, our relationship with the Lord, prioritizing Him first. And as we prioritize Him, we both found uh, our purpose. For me, it's ministry. Uh, I never thought I'd be in ministry. I, I worked business. Um, I chased after money and possessions and things. And um, there's a lot less money in ministry, but there's a lot more fulfillment, at least for me personally. I know that the Lord called me to this and I'm walking in His purpose for me. And our lives are not perfect now. It's still messy. We have five kids and- They're messy too. They're messy, yeah, they're messy. Um, 
But we've seen that God uses our story and allows us to be used even in the middle of our still sometimes messy lives. And I'm just so grateful for that, that we didn't give up when it got hard, that we brought people around us, um, and that the Lord is still continuing to walk us through um, sometimes messy situations to bring Him glory. Thank you both for sharing your story. Appreciate you. Your church family loves you. Thank you for being honest and transparent. I appreciate that. I know that it's hard. It's not easy to share the stuff that uh, other people want to cover up and lie about. And uh, we appreciate that about both of you. Thanks for doing that. I'll just tell you, I know that uh, as you're watching this, for a lot of us, it takes us back to a moment in our lives. Some of us, it's more frequent than others where you're like, yeah, I've, I've felt that. I've been there. I've thought that way. Let me just tell you, you're in the right place. Because today, God's using their story to help you. And who knows what God can do with your story to help somebody else tomorrow. He wants to heal you. He wants to help you. Life's messy. God's good. Would you take a moment? Would you bow your head and close your eyes all across this place? Let's just have a moment of honesty before the Lord, if you wouldn't mind. If you're watching us online today, would you do us a favor and just... Be honest before the Lord, right where you are. I think for some of us, we need a little help. We're in a rough, rough spot. God's here. For others of us in this place, life's been great. This has been your greatest season in a while. Let me tell you, don't forget God. Don't forget who got you there. Don't forget to praise him for the blessings. We praise him in the good times. We praise him in the bad times. He's still good, whether the times are good or not. If you're here today with every head bowed and every eye closed, and you're saying, Pastor, I'm, I need a little help today. I'm walking through a rough season. I want you to know that God is here. He wants to help. His word tells us that God is near to all who call upon him who call upon him in truth. So with heads bowed and eyes closed, if that is you and you're walking through a rough season, need a little help, it's just me and you. Would you lift up your hand all across this place so I can pray for you? Wow. Yeah. You're not alone. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you in advance for the breakthroughs that are coming. And I praise you, Lord, whether the times are good or bad. But today, Lord, we all need a little help. We're all walking through difficult days. We've got problems, we've got issues, we've got things that we never signed up for, things that might not even be our fault, but somehow seem to be our fate. We recognize, Lord, that whether the times are good or bad, you're still good, that your mercy was new this morning for me, for all of us. That you've got grace to cover us when we fall short, You've got your Holy Spirit that can comfort us and walk us through whatever we may be walking through. Lord, I pray for those that are in this place today or those that may be watching that are having problems with their children. I pray specifically for that today. Lord, that you would give them a week of breakthrough and not a week of terror. Father, I pray for those that are walking through difficulties in their marriage, in relationships, those that are single and those that are single again. Lord, would you be an ever-present help in a time of trouble? Would you minister to their needs? Would you help them? 
Father, we come before you today in honesty and ask for help. We know that you alone can help us. You've done it with others. You can do it for us. And Father, we believe that once you've done it for us, that we will find the strength to help somebody else with what they're walking through. We thank you in advance for what is going to change because of this prayer. In Jesus' name. And now with every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, perhaps you're here today and you would say, Pastor, if I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have a relationship with God. Maybe you're watching online and you don't really have a relationship with the Lord. Let me just tell you, you're in the right place. The Lord led you here for a reason because he wants a relationship with you and you need a relationship with him. Maybe you, like me, have been raised in church, but you got away from it and you need to come home. My friend, today is your day to come home. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you're willing to take that step today, I wanna show you how to do it. It starts with a prayer. I wanna invite you to pray with me and I'll tell you what to say. The prayer goes like this. Pray with me. Just say this. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. Come on, friend, pray with me. I believe that you came, you died, you rose from the grave so that I could have life and forgiveness for all of my sins. I invite you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Forgive me. Heal me. Save me. And use me for your glory. In Jesus' name. And with every head bowed and every eye closed, my friend, if that was you and you prayed that prayer, if you're not ashamed of it, let me just see your hand all across this place. Lift it up real quick. Good, 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 good. I see you. I see you, young lady. I see you. Good for you. Good for you, young man. I see you. My friend, if you've come this far, I want to challenge you to maybe take the next step. If that was you and you raised your hand, if you'd look up at me, right behind me on this screen is going to appear a phone number. And I want to invite you to text me. Text the words, I prayed, to the number on your screen. If you're watching online, it's showing up for you as well. I prayed, 844-HRC-TEXT. If you do that, we've got some things that we'll, uh, that we'll link you up with that will help you understand what happened in your heart and what you're supposed to do next. We would love to be a part of your journey to get to know Christ better. It's a good thing, and we're proud of you. Good for you. Well, Highridge family, go ahead and look up at me and stand to your feet if you would. It's been such an honor to bring God's word to you today, and I hope that you were blessed as much as I was with it. I'm gonna invite our elders and their wives to the front, and as the service ends today, these guys are gonna be available to pray with you about anything that you might need prayer about. We love praying for people. We've seen incredible, miraculous breakthrough when we pray. And let me just tell you, if you're having a hard time with some honest prayers today, get with some people that know how to do it and watch them do it, and they'll help you. This is what we're here to do, to help you. Awesome. I also want to thank you for your generosity. I didn't get a chance to do that today. But if you're watching online and you're wanting to give to, to our church, let me just tell you, if you have a home church, please don't give here. Please don't do that. Many, many churches are still struggling after the pandemic, struggling financially. Um, this is not one of them. The people that are here are extremely generous, and I'm so grateful to be a part of a generous church. If this is your home church, thank you so much for giving here. We appreciate it. We appreciate your obedience and willingness to stand behind it. Let me just tell you, lives are changing, not just in this city, but all around the world because of your generosity, and it matters. But if this is not your home church, please don't give here. Please make sure that you're supporting where God has led you. Uh, that means a lot to me. Awesome. Let me bless you and send you out. Father, I thank you for my friends. I pray you bless them with an incredible week following after you all week long. In Jesus' name, and everyone said together, amen. God bless you as you go. Have an awesome week.
Thank you so much for listening in today. Our prayer is that you are encouraged and strengthened by the message. If you haven't done so yet, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review wherever you're listening. If you want to be a part of our online community, connect with us through Facebook or Instagram with the handle at HighRidgeLV, or you can check out our website at HighRidgeLV.com. Lastly, if this ministry has impacted your life and you'd like to support its work, visit HighRidgeLV.com slash give. We appreciate your support, and we're believing with you today for God's best in your life. Have an incredible week, and we will see you next time.